All right. <laughs> so nothing big, no big intros. It's just me and Nate. Um, I'm the writer oh. of IX Foot, a futsal manga, which you can find on Amazon. And Nate is my editor and he can introduce himself. Yeah, um, I'm Nate. <laughs> I Z and I have been going to college for a while, I guess. Wow, we've graduated now. <laughs> wow, that's weird. <laughs> but we went to uh, college together and we started working on uh, IX Foot, or well, I should say Z started working on IX Foot since like, I don't know, he was in high school. And then, uh, you know, he let me read it one day and uh, he was <laughs> in my house during winter break. And I guess that was like the start of it. And then, so yeah, um, I'm also working on writing. It's a lot slower coming now, but uh, yeah, you that's how tell, we know each other. <laughs> you can tell we're writers because the beards are bad. <laughs> yeah, oh, all the scruff. <laughs> and yeah, this is our podcast right now. It's called Anime Shampoo, working title. But like, if you know Samurai Shampoo, the anime, then it kind of makes sense because we're wandering through anime. It's all a journey. And the first anime we're going to go through is Psycho Pass, which you can find on Hulu. And I think you can find it on Crunchyroll if you want to watch it. And we're just going through the first episode, just an hour. We're going to talk about things that stuck out to us. And like, we'll see where it goes from there. None of this is scripted. This ain't like those lame ass podcasts where everybody's like jumping in with their point when it's timed or something. This is just us raw, right, yeah. uncut, unfiltered. Fuck it, you know? I had to put in a fuck because I said it was wrong. <laughs> All right, Nate. First episode, what you got? Um. So yeah, it's weird how, like this was the second anime I ever watched, like in my history of anime. Started off with Tokyo Ghoul and then got to Psycho Pass. Um, and it was weird, like transitioning from Tokyo Ghoul, I thought the first episode of Psycho Pass was like so boring. I have no idea why, because I've seen it like five times since then. And every time I watch it, it's like, you know, spitting new facts at me of like, oh, pay attention to this, pay attention to that. And I, now I honestly think it's probably one of the best episodes in season one. Okay, it's just wait, so good. I got to ask you, did it feel like, because the first time I watched it, I was like, damn, there was low key a lot of exposition. But I don't know, maybe it's because when I watched it, I wasn't like a writer. Now that like, I have mm -hmm. that like perspective. When I saw Masaoka, mm -hmm. I think uh, Ginoza's, I actually can't say that, but um, the inspector, uh, the enforcer, yeah, yeah. Right? Masaoma or Masaoka. When I first saw him yeah, Masaoka. explaining everything to her, I was like, oh my gosh. But as like you learn to write, you're like, damn, that was pretty slick exposition. And like kind of oh, like, yeah. notable because of the character he is and like the themes of the show or at least the first episode yeah dude oh my gosh you, you pointed out like low-key half of my notes for this first episode is all about the exposition because i hadn't really noticed it until i watched it this time but i think the exposition is done so well in this episode um but yeah like you i also thought the first time i watched it, i was like wow this is kind of boring no action a lot of exposition but I think it does exposition so well. Yeah. Um, one point that it's like, we're thrown in the shoes of a new inspector with Akane. And I think that's such a genius move because it's like all the exposition is warranted because she's on the job, she's new on the job. And I even wrote it down uh, the minute, I think it was like at 
minute four, we've gotten like everything we need to know about the world. You know, I mean, it's like yeah, to some degree, yeah. And then, which is, I think, is great. I mean, it's cool because it's intriguing, and it also gets you started off within the first four minutes, which is one of the beautiful things about anime, in general. Uh, but I think it's something that this episode does really well. And then at minute twelve, I think it's genius from both a storytelling perspective and like an animation perspective because I didn't notice this until this time, but it's Akane looking through like her eyes, and we get to see everything on the Dominator and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And she's pointing it at Masaoka. I thought that was genius because it it felt so immersive on like a Metro Redux or no, not Metro Redux, but Metro ex uh, Exodus type level. Like yeah. we were in the world with her, and I thought that was genius. And what I found really cool is just like from a storytelling standpoint, I think like a good rule of thumb, like if you're gonna do exposition, have like you mm -hmm. said an inexperienced character talking to an experienced one. That way, it just does feel like this would be something that happens in real life, right. and you get the like. That experienced one can now give further history without sounding like a a Wikipedia page because they've lived it. <laughs> right, like, like that's the assumption that like viewers are gonna make. And I also, I think they had to have Masaoka as a character who tells Akane all these things mm -hmm. just because he's like lived mm. previous civil life. If those who don't mm -hmm. know, in Psychopaths, the world is ran by a system called Sibyl which basically is engineered to create maximum happiness. So like no more mental illnesses, because if you get to a mental ill state, Sybil then flag you and either get you for crimes you haven't committed or crimes you are maybe about to or have, whatever. And Masaoka, the enforcer who's working under Inspector Akane, has lived through this and he's speaking. And remember when he says something like, in this day and age, we are all so connected, but so far from each other. Yeah. And like, that's only, that's a line only he could he could deliver. Because every everyone else is right. like 20 or younger or whatever. They're all kind of Akane's age or generation. Yeah. And it like makes sense that he would be the one who says that. And I noticed this, I don't know if you noticed the last, clip of the episode when uh, Akane is looking out and the music starts playing and there's yeah. like you know the like good shiny technology city and then the kind of like drummy grubby old yeah. city that they were in and I wonder if like that dichotomy is like with Akane and Masaoka as well they're kind of walking yeah. into almost like Masaoka's domain so to speak that's like a mm -hmm. world that he would have he would have lived through every day that she would have never right. seen a world without Sybil or heavy Sybil-like right. patrol and stuff on the outskirts. Would have been his regular world. And I wonder if that's why, like, they had him doing all the exposition. Which I think it is. But, you know, writing has, like, happy accidents. Right. Um, but I think, to your point, at the like, in that moment, too, isn't Masaoka the one that, like, comes and sits next to her when she's kind of, like, still processing what happened with her yeah. and like uh you know gosh what a traumatic first day on the job <laughs> um and yeah um for those who don't know and maybe are, are a little bit worried about this anime uh a little bit of like a 
a warning. The first episode does have some pretty intense, um, you know, traumatic events. Um, there is uh, sort of, this is sort of a spoiler alert, but there is like, um, you know, a rape that happens. Um, and yeah. that's what they're primarily investigating. Um, and so just a fair warning, but I do think that that almost works to the advantage of the show because um, I also made um, a really, um, you know, big point about this is that even in the first episode, the creators, I think in the best way possible are already bringing up these like moments of like philosophical questioning, like kind yeah. of with Masaoka and um, Akane, we see Masaoka who's been in both eras you know, per se. And we see Akane, who's only been in this, like, you know, her whole, like, youth was in Sybil, and she's yep. been growing up to work for the Sybil society, you know? Um, and so it's interesting to see how, like, like, is this newer society, like, the question, the question is, is it better, even yeah. though we're more technologically better? Um, and, yeah. I mean, it's great that you touched on the the antagonist for the episode, so to speak, <laughs> the the rapist dude, because I think in a in a way that's like a great way of setting up the rest of the themes <clears throat> for the villains as the show goes on, and the themes of like is the technology suppressing things that are like to some degree natural in people because mm. I you remember his like little monologue to the woman that he's attempting to say yes. he goes you I know, noted it down yeah there's two things that like stood out to me first he's talking about the system and how he's done everything right and like he right. still isn't like happy you know he's, mm -hmm. he's gone through gone through every step and procedure and he's still not happy and then he notes that he's, he's had um, sex with the the sex dolls yeah but he's never but had sex the with the a real life flesh girl. human being and i wonder right. if it's like it's the, sh the show as we know to some degree plays on this idea of like nature and technology battling each other and like mm, yeah. our nature versus the technology we've created to keep us quote unquote happy and it's like this dude was using the technology and was also keeping in the system that's supposed to make him happy and he he ends up unhappy and the because there's like a you know a part of him that's not being fed and it, then because that's repressed it has to come out in the worst way possible right which is which is uh raping the woman you know, it's like, right yeah yeah and you know the dolls weren't satisfying anymore and whatever the technology couldn't the technology can't beat out the pleasure of nature and stuff of course he's so like repressed from that pleasure that he he does the most heinous act he can to get it and i don't know i thought that was like like at first I, when i first watched the show i was just like yeah cool it'll make it easier for him to die because honestly who doesn't want to see a rapist get killed right. <laughs> you know like no sympathy for them you know i'm not saying like just kill them all but like you know what i'm saying right yeah and then as like i've like you know watching the show a couple of times and just you know kind of like actually cognitively thinking about like why that crime it, it it makes sense with the themes of the show 
And I think, you know, I almost think it couldn't have been any other crime besides like a big crime because yeah. this is the first episode, you know, like um, <laughs> not to say go big or go home, but like, um, like to be honest, if it was something as simple as like they're chasing down somebody who stole like I don't know something really expensive, yeah, it like wouldn't a, have hit the like a diamond but, ring or something, right? And I think it had to be rape only because like I think this is a very poignant moment that like really stood out to me even from like the first time I watched it was like the moment when um, you know the rapist is like going on his monologue to you know, his victim, like, hey, look at your hue and my hue, they're the same. So in Sybil's eyes, we are the exact same. We both deserve to die. Yep. And I think that's, that's the moment where it, it has to be that way or else the point doesn't get across, which is, hey, obviously this isn't right. And this is what Akane's whole, like, you know, plucky attitude is towards. <laughs> it's like, hey, she didn't do anything wrong. She's the victim here. We have to protect her. And I think that's a great question is, you know, in technologically advanced systems, how do we protect, you know, the people we're supposed to be protecting, you know, even though their emotional hues might be off, you know what I mean? Yeah, when they've when they've gone through something traumatic, I think the show, right. yeah, that's a great like question is like, yeah, like, how do you protect someone who's gone through something traumatic and is like, because in a weird sense, that's how a lot of these crimes work. Like, you know, the, the bully become the bullies and all right. of that. And I wonder if that's like Sybil's thinking. It's like, okay, if I bully this person, he's going to perpetuate it. Right. Because now his hue or whatever is affected. So we got to like, just straight stamp him out. <laughs> right. It's like, um, <laughs> canc- uh, canceling or, you know, stifling the cycle of hatred shout out naruto <laughs> before it can even begin you know um, okay and it, it asks questions of like of like happiness and like can people who have been through such things actually fit in society or what is the what is the permanence of the hue because we, we know it fluctuates yeah but like how much fluctuation is going to be allowed like yeah you know and you know like no, I think that's a good point because I was wondering that too. It's like, you know, we know this about like trauma in general. You know, it's like, you know, once you go through a traumatic event, like, you know, your body reacts in a certain way and it's hard yeah. to get back to normal without, you know, therapy or, you know, whatever. You have to work through it um, in order to get, you know, get through it. Um, and so that's what I was wondering too. I was like, you know, is this girl like savable and that sounds terrible but i think that's honestly the question sybil is asking um and it's something that akane is also wondering is like is this girl savable and obviously i think sybil is trying to show like no she's not savable let's take her out yeah. before she can do more harm and akane is like no she is savable and then it kind of begs that question okay she's savable but what's her nor- new normal and so yeah. it's like you know what's the new stable hue for her does it go back to normal even though she's had this life-changing event um and i don't know i think that that's the like one of the themes um that makes this show so awesome that can like continues throughout the show one of them i think you already touched on was like this nature versus like um like natural human tendencies versus like technological like advancements it's like yeah. how do we balance technological advancements with 
technological conveniences. Yep. You know what I mean? Because like, as the show goes on, I think there's a character or two that show that um, that balance. Like, uh, oh, the professor. I know this yeah. is kind of getting ahead of us, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, we'll get there eventually. But uh, yeah, I I definitely. Think is- a part of me is like, so they've created this world, and like you're saying, it's, it's like balancing the natural and the like technological. Mm-hmm. And to a degree, you can replace technological with the orderly versus the natural. Mm. And like, it's kind of a weird like space where like to have order, you kind of need a decent amount of disorder, you know, yin and yang. Like, mm-hmm, yeah. You know, it's kind of like a soccer game. Like you need yeah. the ref because you and me, if we're players, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but me and Nate played college soccer. Ooh, I guess that's out there. Um, <laughs> Um, you need like this the players are free doing what they're doing and that's right. the disorder aspect we're doing what we're doing on the pitch while the ref has a reason to be there because there is that disorder aspect so he has to keep everything in order mm-hmm. yeah. now I think the question is in a society like civil where everything is ordered what disorder is there for civil to like you know, really regulate because you need that disorder, yeah. or else it becomes a, a point of like, oh, we're just robots. We're just right, like, yeah. We're automated. We're as automated as the system around. Right. And if there's no disorder, like, how can you even account for it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, like, oh, this. Oh my gosh, when you said soccer, this made me think of that one Nike commercial. That's like way back then when the like, animated one. The animated one where it's like the perfect game, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's like they get so good that the game is boring, and then once the real players come back, then they just completely demolish them because they can't, you know, they don't know what to do. Or the, you know, the fake ones, the, you know, the yeah. robot ones don't know what to do. I have a feeling that's like almost what Sybil is trying to do, and especially once we get into the episodes with the main protagonist, and we see that even in this episode is like, how does technology for how smart it is? account for like the new, the nuances of you know, like human nature yeah like no one human is the same and no one human you know what i mean i mean it's going to it's going think, to be orderly like you think they are you know think about the the guy who commits this crime like technology we we're gonna assume throughout the whole show has been before the first episode has been saying but, this guy is a good guy like they even had his yeah. average hue and it was decent and then because of the factor of human nature, which is unpredictable, he falls off the, the beaten path. But technology has been telling you through this whole time, like, oh, this guy's good, this guy's good. And it's also creating a regulation system to keep him in these parameters. And it turns right. out human nature is just that vile. I think, I don't know, that's, that's, that's a really good point. That is a really good point. This also touches on two things that I think are like semi-related the idea that the, the guy was like an average Joe like he yeah. was not he wasn't a career criminal he wasn't a athlete or someone famous he was just the average very average <laughs> nine to fiver as he says in his monologue I've done mm-hmm. everything right and I link that to Kogami this episode Hmm. I think it's only this episode. He keeps saying 
hey you're just earning your paycheck yeah you're just earning your paycheck and i wonder if in a sense the show is touching on this like um uh so you and me now work we we work respective 9 to 5s I love my I love the people at my workplace. I don't necessarily love the job. <laughs> I would have to agree. <laughs> And it seems like the show is saying like look, like you create this these systems for safety, which is the only reason I have a job. Like mm-hmm. if given the chance, I would just be <laughs> on the street hungry or something. <laughs> But like right. you, you really do get a nine to five, not because of passion or love. You get it because it's like damn life insurance, dental, and right. usually provides enough money to keep a roof over your head. You get it for safety's reason. And that's kind of like the civil system and this guy who's gone through the whole system. Mm-hmm. But then he's he's also unhappy. And this kind of links back to this idea that like with all this safety maybe the world becomes so boring and so dull that you can only like you need escapes and this guy's escape yeah. was sex it seems or well, at least that's the escape he wanted and the, the sex dolls over time wore off as a right, form yeah. of escape and i think to myself of um i was reading as you know i was reading charles bukowski's on drinking and he writes i wish i had like picked it up but it's a there's like a little like excerpt in there where he says i would rather be like in a war torn country or really poor because you know today the, it's the small and still fears like rent mm-hmm. and credit card payments and stuff that will drive you insane poverty and war are, are terrible but they won't drive you to the madhouse it's the stuff that he he says it's so still that you can sense it know it and still fear it like it's so still you can just keep looking mm. at it like rent is just you know it's you know it you know where it's at and that's actually making you insane because you're like all right when is it going to jump when is, you know what i mean but like yeah war and poverty almost just get you bumping into action automatically they're not that's still true. They, they you just know what to do it's almost you know sometimes reactionary like if bombs were coming down here i'm not going to be sitting and contemplating but with rent and like mm. credit card stuff you sit down you contemplate and it really hurts your head you're like shit i'm really kind of yeah that's it. that's so true and i wonder if that's like that's what's reflected in this show this whole earn your paycheck and it's a 9 to 5er who's the villain and the guy who's catching him keeps saying the same thing earn your paycheck you know you just here to earn your paycheck another day i don't know no that's that's a great point too and that's not that's not even something i thought about necessarily when i was watching it but i think you're right like there's this sort of like these undertones of like you know in a technologically advanced system and society like <laughs> it's kind of I mean in a weird parallel to like the society that we have right now I mean in 2021 we're supposed to be this like you know super advanced society right compared to at least like you know 20 years yeah. ago 30 50 60 100 years ago right we're supposed to have fixed all these problems but we haven't and in some senses we've kind of created more and I think um 
to your point, some of the the points and the undertones of the show might be like, hey, like, you know, even like Kogami, he's just doing this like because he has to, you know what I mean? Not because yeah. he gets any joy out of it, but I mean, like, this is like literally all he can do right now. And, you know, I think, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler because it's like in the first 10 minutes of the next episode, but like Akane, she's almost there out of no obligation because she's got these perfect scores, right? Yeah, she, like, the, the sister basically all... said she's a monster. And everything right, like, she's amazing. She, yeah, so she has no real rational reason to to be anywhere, you know what I mean? She could literally be anywhere and it would just be the same. So it's like interesting to, to see like, and I think this is one thing that she questioned throughout the show is like, why, why did I choose this? What is yeah. leading me here? And I mean, you know, we kind of get a reason for that in the second episode. She kind of gives, it's not a reason, but it's a, um, it's an explanation, which right. yeah. for those who no, don't know, point. philosophically, there's a, there's a difference between explanations and reasons. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if any, everybody knows the distinction. I feel like if I was to explain it, I'd sound stupid. You know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, like the Alexander always used to say, like, there's some things that are so intuitive that if you explain the logic of them, you actually like defeat. Them less. Yeah. Yeah. You defeat the like the whole case they become less intuitive because you have to explain right but yeah there's differences between explanations and reasons and she gives an explanation and but i wonder too i don't know what you think is the show in this first episode somewhat saying that the nine to five and like the safety of society is unnatural like is fundamentally Mm -hmm. like from everything we've said is just not there and someone might be like well in japan they don't work as much as us or whatever the hell but like japan has a way work, more work focused society than america like these mm-hmm. guys work and like they work themselves into mental disorder yeah in some cases and like i wonder if the show is saying that this this form of living, this, I go somewhere for eight hours, I follow the system, I, I play it safe, is just inherently unnatural and will drive more and more people into like mental disarray. Yeah, dude, actually, I was thinking about that the other day and then I was reminded of it when you just mentioned that because, you know, um, I think this is sort of related, but also can be explained by other um you know cultural reasons but you know japan historically and currently has like one of the highest rates of depression and suicide um and of course that's for a a a bunch of different um you know cultural reasons uh but one of those pieces i believe is this like you know like not necessarily workhorse but like work driven like very like you know strong worth work ethic um you know in their society but then like when i think about other major cities like new york for example i which is surrounded by you know infrastructure um it's kind of funny if you're into conspiracy theories and you look at like the designs of major cities they almost look like batteries (laughs) i mean i think it's bro that's a whole nother episode (laughs) right yeah 
but it's one of those things that I think it's worth talking about because I think in a sense the show is talking about it it's like okay how do we balance nature and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier how do we balance nature and technology you know how do we like New York you know is notorious for being a business centered you know city yeah. like fast-paced people are typically not always nice and happy and you know yeah. um I don't know if the happy and nice thing is true, but that's, you know, that's the stereotype that like, you know, because it's so, you know, business, we're down to business, right? Um, and so I'd wonder if I, and I should maybe search this up and then bring the answers to the next episode, but like, what are the most happiest places on earth and what is the work-life balance and what is the nature versus in infrastructure balance? And to yeah. kind of do some comparisons, because I honestly do think like, when you're well integrated with nature and when you have a good work-life balance that's like not too fast but also not too slow like i can imagine that's a lot more manageable i i think the same thing like like i've always said america is an infinitely better country to live in materialistically and like safety wise mm -hmm. in malawi but i definitely feel like in malawi i was happier and like just like mm -hmm. the the mo whatever the mode to get happiness wasn't as difficult or like like it was just kind of simple and I wonder if it's this point kind of like Bukowski saying like war and poverty they just get you acting almost on reflex whereas right. like the problems we have here you you really got to think about them to navigate them and they that almost you start to see how incapable you are you know you just can't yeah pay off your credit card bill if the money that you make at work is bad you know like you just can't right. pay off rent like you know like that's not easy and some of them are kind of far too like some of them are like 10 year debts or something and i wonder if like places like malawi and you know i use bad in a general term here in a materialistic sense are so bad like the the environment around you is so bad that you can only look in for happiness. Mm. But when you're in a place that's so comfortable and happy outside of you and is selling you the idea that this happiness is always and has always been outside as great of a country as America is, right? Like it's like, right. America's a solution. Work hard, everything around. And you, you see it, you look around, you see people who are, you know, I wouldn't say they're living happy, but they're living comfortable. You know, they got two cars, yeah. you know, picket fence, green, green yards, nice house. So then you start to get into this mode that like, oh, damn, maybe my mental welfare is in all of these things that are around me that are running so smooth and they're so safe. These people don't hunger, yeah. but you don't, then you, your, your inside is fucked up because like, yeah. as the guy finds out in psychopaths, the outside can't win you certain things. It can get you like a comfortable life, but it, it won't get you the charm to talk to a woman. <laughs> you know, like yeah, he that's, learned. That's true. It you know it won't keep your mental state happy as much as you think it does, because that's always on you. And I wonder if that's like kind of the failure of the technological safe world system. Is that like sure maybe if you're in Malawi, you might not always know where your next meal is coming from. Right. But like. You, you understand that the world outside is so shitty that if you need happiness, you're going to have to create it yourself. And it's going to have to come from inside. No, I think that's such a good point. Um, because I definitely think this is another one, one of the 
beautiful things about the show is that like it's subtle undertones that make like I think sort of big statements and I think to your point I do think the show is you know making a point to say like if a society truly is set up well to make you happy or to let your inner happiness like manifest itself then there are certain things that the society doesn't have to do yeah and I and I'll um I'll continue that thought with like if you notice like within the first episode I've never had really thought about this until I watched it this time but it's called the the public safety bureau yeah and within the first like 30 seconds we see those like little robot doll things yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're things. not police officers they're non-threatening right yeah and like there's um, you know, there's also those other machines that are supposed to keep people's cues like in check, you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, don't freak out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but when we look at what the Public Safety Bureau really does, also, sorry, another sub-thought, but it, it, it goes to the main thought. Like on the back of their jackets is the symbol for like the medical, um, you know, it's like the the Hercules snake staff, yeah, thing, the weird snake which is like or something, right? Which is is interesting because they're basically a police force. Yeah, which is yeah. funny because we I normally don't think of the police force as like public safety bureau in you know in the sense of like a medical sense or like a public well being sense. I think of them as more of like a reactionary measure, which is like when something has already gone wrong the the police is then in they're able to step in and take control of the situation you know what i mean it's much yeah. more re reactionary and that's what the public safety bureau seems to be but you know they market themselves as you know we're supposed to help you and your social you know your emotional social you know societal well-being and it's interesting because i definitely see to your point like i've noticed a lot of things in american society it's all about the marketing, the packaging, you know, yeah. like the delivery of terrible things <laughs> or like semi-okay things. Like, you know what I mean? Like even with like credit cards, it's not like, hey, you're going to be in debt for this long to us. Take this card. You know what yeah, I mean? That's not what they're telling you. It's else, like, like right. It's like, Stop hey, we can finance it. Right, they always we're always trying to put a positive spin on things, and it's funny because as a customer service agent, ah, I have to put a positive spin on everything, even if it's like we've done the biggest fuck up and fuck up histories. <laughs> we have to make it a positive spin, you know what I mean? Because yeah. yeah. we're so worried, and I think Sybil is a huge like manifestation of this. We're so worried about people's emotional well-being, um, but not like emotional well-being and in like truly emotional well-being it's like we want them to be what we think is normal and okay you know what i mean yeah. and like so that doesn't take an accounting like into account like human nuance because people are going to be angry people are going to be sad but that's not okay you know what i mean i mean what's even crazier like i just i have two thoughts let me see if i can capture one like you said <laughs> there's supposed to be the public safety bureau and you just said like they, unlike the cops in this mm -hmm. case, in our real life, they're a bit more proactive, right? Right. You know, the dolls and like keeping people safe. But it's ironic 
that at the end of the day their mode of operation is incredibly violent like, yes the, the dominator, dominator is called a dominator <laughs> <laughs> They've got a gun called the Dominator, and it has a lethal eliminator that pops you like a pimple. <laughs> right. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself like, they they're out here like posturing all this like safety first. We've got cute dolls that are supposed to keep people calm and we're non-threatening, but they literally kill people and cause them trauma. It's almost ironic that they. It's like they're trying to escape human nature just to come back to human nature. Right. This case being, you know, dog dog eat dog world violence. Right? Right. But they're trying to tell you that that's not a thing, but it is. And I wonder if that causes more people to be fucked up mm. in society because it's like, can you know, kind of like Nietzsche's beef with the church is unlike telling people how to use sexual energy and energy about anger and all that dark energy it kind of just repressed it and then mm-hmm. of course now like you know it manifests itself in priests raping kids and all these things because yeah. they, they don't really know how to use it but you know lust is natural so it's like maybe that's what's happening in psychopaths it's like this huge huge suppression and then it's like it's now actually regurgitating evil and to another point like you said they they revolve this society with the hue scanners the dolls and things mm-hmm. and i don't know what i was watching i think it was one of those corny like motivational tiktoks you know some dude <laughs> he's talking about how like your mind can't register the negative so if i tell you don't think about an elephant you're going to think about an elephant right yeah because your mind can't actually not think you know And so yeah, I, yeah. in the same sense that's what's happening here the society is so loudly telling them don't think about depression or self harm or hate yeah. or anger that it's actually in doing that is causing them to think about those things yeah yeah and it's crazy because it's like you know another example it's like if you can't fall asleep at night a lot of people say and i think a lot of research has shown like the worst thing to do is to continue to try and fall asleep you know what i mean yeah. cuz you're obviously not ready for it or, or um, you know like yeah go ahead I'm on tiktok again shout out tiktok and something <laughs> um put down um what's a harvey dent quote you either die a hero or you live long enough to be a villain yeah explained it and he was like what harvey dent is saying is like you either die when you are a hero or the thing is if you live long enough since you're a hero defined by yourself or society whatever mm-hmm. you keep looking for evil in the world mm-hmm. and because you keep looking for evil you ever you eventually become the evil that you're constantly searching for and i think that's what's occurred with civil here and it kind of is occurring in our own society we're so yeah. like, focused on like beating and fighting depression keeping it out of people and there's so many things about self love every fucking where and all of these things which of course those are good sentiments i don't want people walking around hating themselves but like if you keep focusing on it what what is going to happen is people are doing the don't be sad don't be sad don't be sad which is like i just said you can't register in the negative so you're now thinking yeah. all of these things almost all the time and it's like no but human nature you know like as unfortunate as it is you and me are supposed to be sad from time to time You know, we're supposed yeah. to be angry from time to time. 
we're supposed to be you know a little bit lusty from time to time or at least we're supposed to at least live in a society where we can acknowledge that those are things that can happen to us and then go like deal with it but i wonder if psychopaths are so concerned with not dealing with it that when those things like come upon us it's like damn i gotta go do the most heinous thing now because like i've never known how to deal with this and like the technology has never you know done the job well and it's crazy because oh man i also have two point or two thoughts i'm trying to hang on to both of them because you said so many interesting things that i think the show points out um and one of them i think you thought you uh like it's interesting like i think the show like mainly deals with the brain i don't really like the brain and the thought and thought process and like you know human decision making i think that's like a huge theme and one of the things that you talked about is like you know like when we like i know one thing that is like a huge like struggle for like a lot of us is like you know this (laughs) this constant battle it feels like when we know there's something that we don't want to do whatever it is like hey i don't want to watch you know i don't want to watch porn i don't want to watch or i don't want to eat overeat i don't want to you know drink too much you know of this i don't want to you know (laughs) look at people that way or you know i don't want to think those thoughts anymore i don't want to be i don't want to be negative right i don't want to be negative um or i don't want to be overly sarcastic or whatever you know i don't want to be a douche there's any number of things that we don't want to be and it's interesting how we fixate on not wanting to do them and then we end up doing them anyways right at some point like um but then on the opposite end of the spectrum it's interesting if we focus on something too much like hey i don't want to or uh even sometimes in the positive like hey i really want to be the hero you know what i mean yeah it's interesting how like is it really do we really want to be the hero even when like no villains exist or is it do we really not want to be a villain you know what i mean yeah or like is it is it something like hey i really want to be a good person or is it hey i really don't want to be a bad person and so even when we're sometimes thinking in the positive we have those negative things about what we don't want to be so it's almost a double negative you know what i mean i wonder if it's like um what you're saying it kind of makes me think of like um the whole buddhist idea that like desire is the beginning of suffering i wonder if in both ways if you end up desiring the thing you just end up falling into it and i think to some degree christianity kind of has the same concept when jesus says don't let you don't let your right hand no don't let your left hand know what your right is doing yeah he's like almost saying like hey man when you do an action almost in a way do it spontaneously so you don't catch yourself in this like desirous like i'm watching myself type of mode of thinking the closest i can get to explaining without sounding like a fucking idiot here is um charles mckowski he talks about writing and what it's like to write and he's like it's like shitty and the guy's like what and he's like you know i do it because like it just comes out of me i never like you know when you shit it just comes out of me sometimes it's hard sometimes you enjoy it and he's like it just comes out of me and i do it in the sense that like 
I'm, I'm in love with the process, which is what I think Bukowski is saying. He's in love with the process, but he's not in love with the finished product. He's not in love with the shit, which is his books or whatever. So almost yeah. as this like idea of like, if you're going to do something, you got to want to do the process but not want the end product but if you but most people uh working opposite they want the end product but not really into the process so they right, yeah. don't want to be negative they they that's the end product but the process yeah. they're not they're not attached to it they don't really like it but they they're attached to the thing that they can show the world and like Bukowski is saying i'm not attached to the books like i'm just right. attached to writing which is like a weird distinction to make if you think about it but like it makes sense no and i think this connects perfectly to the second thing i was thinking and it's like what you're saying means that there is a process which requires brain power which requires like action both mentally and in a lot of ways physically like yeah. um you know if i just don't want to overeat that might mean hey instead of you know being in constant you know places to overeat or you know in, instead of keeping like food constantly around that i can overeat um, you know, whether that's like sweets or like your favorite snacks or whatever, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta change. It requires a change and it requires a mental process. It also kind of maybe, you know, requires a physical process. Like maybe you start creating new habit of like, Hey, instead of, you know, when I feel like overeating, maybe I go for a quick 10 minute walk and then I try mean, and get it. Or maybe like, of course, because you, you can replace that with bad, <laughs> bad habits, but, um, but real quick, because I know you're about to say something really good, but um, I think what Sybil is, is it takes out the thought process, that it takes yeah. out the process in general. So it's like, I think what the show is saying is like, even though humans can do bad things from time to time, and humans are very nuanced, to have a system that takes out the process for us and turns us into vegetables basically so we get to the end product without any sort of process that just makes us almost inhuman and i think it shows a lot of examples of that throughout the show and even in the first episode i think um i'm immediately taken back to what you said about the the moment when she grips it and you see this the thing glow in her eyes you see the whole yeah the interface and stuff and i think what you're referring to is there is no actualization in the processes mm. that are like in the world now and in civil like think about like um your job my job or like a guitar class mm. like i like i said in my, in my guitar class i was just learning techniques i learned the a chord the b the c the d the g and the e whatever i'm just learning the techniques and I'm probably doing them right. I come out of that class, I'm not an actual musician because the techniques, the processes, the steps, they're almost automated. Yeah. It's easy to just learn them one by one. Just like at most jobs, it's easy to just learn whatever they're teaching you that will get the result. And usually most of them are like, kind of like, uh, rudimentary or like um no rudimentary is not the word they're kind of like uh rep repetitive redundant right yeah, yeah like sure you might encounter a tiff here and there maybe with a with the closing of a house or 
you know, a customer service thing, but usually even after the problem is solved, you still get to four. Maybe you just went to one plus one plus two equals four this time rather than going to yeah, yeah. Right. And I wonder if like when there's there's two things that I'm noting is that like Akane herself is is actualized. Like you said, she has a thought process as she's doing this thing. Kogami is on the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As he says. And you know, he does and, not hesitate to shoot. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't hesitate. Even when shoot. it's the victim. He's almost like a robot. And I wonder if like these since these jobs aren't they don't have thought processes. Uh the way they work for the most part, then you're not actualizing, you're not mastering anything. And so your mind is totally disengaged. You almost become automated. And I wonder if that's what the symbol of the eyes and the glowing interface is. It's like you're becoming, I think even one of them says that you're now becoming symbol's eyes. And you shoot, yeah. gun tells you to shoot. There's no thought yeah, process yeah. to it. If it says someone is danger, you shoot him. And that kind of like, I think, ticks Akane off when she points it at Masaoka. Like, damn, am I supposed to? You know, like yeah, hint, a hint of that in there. And I also want to note, since Masaoka is from the stage of like detectiveness or detective C, <laughs> um, in which, you know, he, he actually held real guns and there wasn't right. this technological world that Akane is living in. He has intuition. And it's important to note that when she points the gun at him, he turns like around or kind of like knows that she's doing it. Yeah. Almost. And because then, you know, someone might be like, well, he would have heard the gun. Well, they didn't watch the show because only she can hear what the gun is saying to her. Right. So he he just has a, an almost like I've mastered this thing intuition. Like this isn't just rote for me. I, I know you're pointing the gun at me. While like Kogami has gotten so far beyond in just doing the rote work that he's just like, I don't want to think too much. When I need to shoot, <laughs> I will do whatever I need to shoot. And a lot of a lot of jobs are in that state, which is why I think a lot of people go crazy. Is that like you're just at a job where it's like, I just need to do this. You you don't really care about uh, a lot of jobs don't offer a getting better at the job. And you know, a lot of it is disguised as getting better, but what's happening is you're getting you're getting more entrenched in the repetition. You're not getting yeah, better. No, like, you're getting used to it. Yeah, it's kind of like kids and counting to 10. You're not getting better at it. They just will start getting faster, right? You know, at first it'll be yeah. one. Is it three, two, you know, and then eventually it's just one, two, yeah, three, yeah. Seven, eight, nine, ten. And you know, like a lot of jobs are masquerading as telling you like, oh yeah, you're getting better at this, but it's really just that like, okay, you're literally a kid counting to 10 and now you've, you can do it fast. And that's not really mastery because the like, the threshold is so low. <laughs> you yeah, know, no. Basically, yeah. you know, you're like a conveyor belt <laughs> in a sense. I don't know, but that's what oh, I- Oh, yeah. That's what I think you're saying. There's like no thought process. There's no becoming of anything. Like Akane is in the job and she's not really, in the way the first episode frames her colleagues, they haven't really become detectives. 
besides Masaoka to a degree, but he's also playing the system. While she is like in the job thinking, yo, like, no, let's, let's just not do that. You know, she's still like, she's so fresh, she's not automated yet. Right. And um, it's, I'm so glad you brought up that point because I made a note of that when I was watching it that the first time, and I would say like pretty much every time besides like the last couple times that I've watched the first episode and the first season in general is uh, Akane's like plucky attitude really got on my nerves. But I think it's permissible and I actually think it really works well yeah. for the point that you just made. It's because, you know, she's almost like not like a reincarnation of Masaoka but I think Masaoka you can see throughout the episode he smiles at her a lot and I think that's because he sees a bit of that like intuition of like a true detective you know what I mean from the old days in her and so it's almost like a reminder to him it's like wow there's still hope for the future you know what I mean yeah and so and she's like you're right she hasn't become that you know root mundane thought process yet she hasn't become kogami yet and of course kogami's in that sort of like blase i don't give a fuck i'm just gonna do the job yeah type attitude for other reasons as well because you know um you'll get more of his backstory later but he does he wasn't necessarily always like that and so akane she's that new fresh blood but in a different way she's the she's like the one that got away you know what i mean she's yeah. and i think in the next episode you'll see it from her her um you know some of the friends she has lunch with too is like they're jealous of her because you know she has all this like you know um these good scores and stuff like that but she doesn't like necessarily know where she fits in passion wise you know what i mean yeah and uh yeah. She doesn't, and I think it's interesting because once she gets into the, the inspector position, then she's like, it doesn't, it's like at that point, it doesn't matter anymore. She's going to do what she thinks is right and put like some real thought and effort into it because and- she's like, she had, she's not the, like, like to your point in guitar class, she's, she's beyond the point of just plucking, you know, the chords real quick or, you know, mastering yeah. scale now she's like really working on like you know the the higher order thought processes is like okay what like what does this all mean for us and how do we actually like make something of it that works for everyone um and that's truly different and very shocking to both sybil you know and the people that she's working with which is weird i wonder too to your point with masaoka i wonder if he tells her because he keeps on saying like your training doesn't mean shit. Yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> I love that, is that whole conversation. Like, is that like a subversive, like, stab at like Sybil, like, hey man, like, out here, you know, you think. Out here, you have to think. And then, of course, that gets me thinking, you know, gets me thinking about college. I don't know how much time we've. Okay, we're at 55 minutes gets me thinking about college and like how you know college and the real world don't also really correlate 
Yeah. You know, Colin is making a lot of assumptions with the real world that like obviously don't always relate. And the way he he keeps saying that almost to like poke her like, "Hey man, like you know, cuz he's not all system." And then just to make it just to make the episode better, and I'm not going to say anything more on it because it, people will find out as they watch it. Is Ginoza is the one who shoots the girl. Yep. And Ginoza's um for people who will watch Psychopath, he's a uh, Akane's boss. Mm-hmm. And he's also like in charge of the enforcers as well. So there's inspectors and enforcers. I feel like this is a late in episode. But like enforcers <laughs> are uh people who are latent criminals. They could have committed a crime but maybe they didn't or maybe they did commit a crime but they're like hues are like permanently in this like danger zone. Yeah. Which me and Nate kind of touched on questioning whether the girl who was being raped can like restore her old hue or will she become like that. But they then are chosen because they can think like criminals to become to work for the public safety bureau to catch other criminals and they're called enforcers and inspectors over them. And Akane's boss, Inspector Jinoza, is very by the book. And mm-hmm. he's the one who fires the gun and shoots the girl who's just been raped after Akane has calmed her down and kind of like you know put the situation to rest. And I think, you know, you and me both know that's like thematically and like story-wise, it's important that it was him. Yes. Oh yeah. It's, it's pretty important that it was him. Oh, man, I wish there was so much more we could say just cuz I do want this podcast to be something that people like can at least watch and then go watch the show themselves or like yeah. Watch the show and then listen to this. I don't know. <laughs> the two. But like well, it's, yeah, go ahead. It's an important moment. That's that's it. <laughs> yeah, I ah uh, man. Yeah, I think that's another moment we could really dissect for like probably another hour. But um I think he also has so many good moments that continue to just, you know, build on that by the books attitude. Um and so I think we can probably, you know, come across that again later. But, you know, I think it's interesting cuz oh yeah, if for y'all who are listening, we're going to be watching what like an episode a week. of psychopaths or just an anime in general so feel free to watch and along with us and then come listen to our podcast as we will dive deep (laughs) into the themes of these shows spotify and youtube right so come check us out (laughs) (laughs) content also yeah If you uh, watch on YouTube, you'll get to see uh, Zed's fly fly shades, um, and our wonderful beards. So <laughs> Z's definitely a lot better than mine. <laughs> He's still got a got a a runway up here. <laughs> <laughs> a runway. Planes be landing on there. I get free air miles and shit. <laughs> oh man, it's it's such. It is, it's such a good show. Like, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, bro, we got we probably still got like 40 more minutes of content <laughs> on just one episode. 
but it it really is just fantastic. I think one thing I was gonna say, and I, I I touched on it earlier, is that there's this weird like dichotomy in the fact that like Cebu is all order and all this, but it is mm-hmm. also using disorder to keep that order. It's taking people who are latent criminals, yeah, commit acts that are like opposite the whole calm you down thing. And I wonder if it's like it's almost like a, a like slight at a lot of like systems, is that at some mm-hmm. point systems in some areas have to betray themselves to stay alive. Almost mm-hmm. like how like you know as much as America is capitalistic and stuff, the country wouldn't run if you know government didn't build a majority of the roads or USPS wasn't a thing. Or you know, you know, governments didn't own telephone wires and stuff. You know, like there's some aspects of the, this society that are, you know, communistic. Yeah, they betray the system that they're on, and I wonder if that's like a almost like a prerequisite. I don't think it's like a super huge theme, although it kind of it kind of is and it isn't. But like, yeah, you just think about it. I mean, every good soccer team, you know, you, they have that player who betrays the system. You know, like Barca had Tiki Taka, and like low key, Messi kind of betrayed it. Like he'd be the guy who just <laughs> the ball and beats five guys. We're done passing the ball around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it worked. I don't know. No, and that's one of those things where uh, I think it's the one thing that to keep with the soccer analogies is like keeping teams like Man City who are like on paper are like amazing. You know what I mean? Or even like some some teams like Bayern sometimes can be this way. They're so amazing and they have these really good systems, right? But they don't have that player like a Messi or like, um, you know, even Neymar to some extent or, um, you know, like even Man United has some players that even though their team on paper should be good and they play like trash most of the time, they've got those players that have that like spark that like is it's hard to account for you know what i mean yeah and so it makes it hard for like systems that are truly good to like be the best because um you know there's not that one thing that's like so um unaccounted for that it can actually take them higher in a weird way yeah. you know what i mean and i think to another point i think this the civil system it runs on sort of like equivalence. So in order to account for criminals, we have to have criminal information or criminal Yes. Like, it it um, almost like you know in a weird way it's like it knows it's going to fuck up. Which I, <laughs> like obviously we're not saying like well yeah, it would be ideal of those world with no criminals but like but like it, it it is literally like its whole system is to avoid this thing that it wants to get rid of you know what i mean it kind of like leads right. to this idea that like these things do exist but we're the system that like takes them away or something it's like it's a whole like premise or something like it's almost yeah. it's in a yangi in that sense like it's like even in the good there's a bad there's a part that's bad and then even yeah. in the bad there's a part that's good yeah. uh, it's so so trippy um and it's interesting because it reminds me of like businesses that almost have to perpetuate the problems 
that they're supposed to solve in order to stay alive. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of a good business um, that does that. Like, um, I don't know, this is probably a very poor example, but for some reason I'm thinking of pet control. Like if there weren't pets to control, <laughs> they wouldn't exist. But yeah. that's also not a business that's trying to set pets or, free. So um, that's a very bad example. Politicians. Oh uh, yeah, politicians. Politics yeah. Need, they need problems to stand on. And of course it's like, well, they can't, you know, help everybody and there'll always be people who don't like it. But you notice like they just never make definitive decisions. It's never just like, let's do this for these four years. And then, you know, we can see how it goes. It's always like this debate here and there, here and there, here and there, because it's like, damn, if they just made definitive decisions that they mm -hmm. claimed would get rid of the problems or at least try to, then they, they wouldn't have anything to run on. We would be like, damn, okay. So I guess we don't really need to pay you guys $300,000 and stuff because like, we're not going to war. Um, <laughs> healthcare is free. Everybody can live, mm. all these things, but it's like, damn. You know, it almost needs, it's, it's kind of Orwellian in the sense. In 1984, yeah. the government created wars and stuff because it, it gave people, one, the dependency, like they needed to be dependent to this government because like without them, we'd be dead, you know? Right. So I think, yeah, that's definitely a perfect example of that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I just thought of another example that, uh, actually, never mind. I, we could keep going on, but I think you, you, uh, what you said the example you gave was perfect but um yeah so i just think it's so interesting how that like applies to sybil and like what that says about our world about like this sort of like uh this theme of like equivalence like um and as you'll see like i for anybody that's watching or listening or watching both <laughs> is that as the show goes on um like there's so many good interesting villains and you know episodes that happen um where it, it does tackle i think to some degree this theme of like equivalence like what does it take to like match something you know what i mean so yeah. it's like what i think in real life right yeah and it's like okay so is it is sybil supposed to be this perfect like, how do you match evil in order to over overcome it? And it seems like Sybil, Sybil even knows that the way to conquer evil and achieve, achieve like this sort of utopian peace is you have to have some sort of evil in it. And I wonder in our society too, like we think about like peace as being like no evil whatsoever, but I wonder if that's really accompli accomplishing anything. And it's a weird, or if that's even like manageable, it's weird because shout out Naruto again. <laughs> I'm watching, for anyone that doesn't know, I never watched Naruto as a kid, so I'm catching up now because I'm a huge anime geek now. I guess I guess you can call me a weeb. So I'm watching Naruto and I'm on the the um, the Great Ninja War and now you know Madara and stuff like that. It was Project. Okay, I guess this is Toby now. I guess <laughs> I don't know. I'm yeah, still learning yeah, much yeah. stuff. Toby is project uh tsukinome with like true peace is like when he takes over and like nobody has any decisions it's just like hey like that's that's true peace in his mind right and so i i think sybil in the show as a whole is like 
you know, kind of going against that, where it's like in order to achieve true peace, like you said, and like you said, in like in a sort of Orwellian way, true peace is unachievable without some sort of bad quality or bad, some sort of evil. And, and that makes me think about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You just open a whole can of worms. <laughs> Shit, where are we at? Like, we're at an hour eight. I I think we'll go to an hour fifteen. Um, Let's do it. Open a whole can of worms because I'm thinking to myself about um, infinite Tsukiyomi and the whole idea that mm. it's illusion, but it's peace. Yeah. Whatever. We're we're probably never gonna cover Naruto. It's just too long. <laughs> In Naruto, oh. spoiler alert. Uh, the villain wants to basically put everyone in an illusion that will make them more peaceful because he's tired of war always being around. Right. I wonder too, though, does technology almost represent that illusion? Mm. Kind of to what Masaoka said, like we're so connected technologically, but we're also isolated physically in real life. And I wonder if, like, civil. Is playing on that? Is this, is civil the infinite Tsukiyomi in this case? Is it the the illusion that creates peace when really it's just at the end of the day an illusion? It's not based in anything real about the people. So just uh, I don't know. That's that's the first thing I I thought when you you brought up Toby. I was like, oh damn, it's like Loki the same show, just different premise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a, a different like sort of genre. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Um, no, and this is one thing that I've consistently thought about, um, like as of lately, um, because I've been doing like, you know, the, the the computer programming stuff and the web development. I've consistently thought, like, about how amazing the internet is, and it's like yeah. this weird sort of like utopia. You know what I mean? Like, and computers in general are like fascinating to me because they're this like sort of like on some like weird um ah, why can i not think of the show what's the show where in the one episode oh rick and morty <laughs> sorry i don't know why i could think uh, i didn't think about that but in w- rick and morty where it's like building worlds within worlds that's like literally a computer that's what it does it creates a world and it allows you to create worlds within that world and it's incredibly interesting and i wonder if like in a sort of weird way, like about our world, what does like heaven look like? And I wonder if like in some sort of way, technology is implemented. Like, you know, like, you know, and when we die and like, you know, whether we go to heaven or not, I don't know, it's yet to be seen. <laughs> but I almost wonder if in some sort of way, technology is implemented. Cause like, then I wonder like, if, you know, if there is a God, for all you know i'll keep it as an if just to you know keep it open-ended if god if there is a god and if he is real and if he does have a plan and we are allowed and have discovered technology then where does that fit in a perfect society where you don't need technology you know what i mean like well, in, in essence if heaven is perfect then what what's the need of for you know technology in the sense of like devices not necessarily like a wheel <laughs> you know what i mean I think um, I'll, t- I'll take a feel of it. <laughs> well, the truth about technology is this: this is my theory on technology. There's like two types of technology, but in all cases, mm-hmm. I think they both work. 
And I actually, I might just make now that because, you know, it always sounds good when you can say there's two types of something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think technology serves to exist as an extension of ourselves. Yeah. And the reason it does this is because it is accounting for our limitations. Mm. So if, for lack of a better word, if heaven is perfect and we are unlimited beings in heaven, then there would be no need for technology. And by, I mean, what I, <laughs> what I'm saying, what I mean is that when you use a car, it's becoming an extension of your legs. It's mm. doing a function that you're capable of doing, but it's doing it much better or more efficiently. Right, when you use your glasses, it's becoming an extension of your eyes. And in a sense, as we talk about psychopaths, this will become even more of a theme, right? When she held the dominator, she had become an extension of Sybil. Mm-hmm. Kind of like opposite to our like mode with technology. You know what I mean? Mm. Like this laptop right now is working as an extension of space and a room because we're not together. You know, it's working for us. Yeah. But in Psychopaths, she was working for the technology. Or at least that's how it's explained. Right. Which is like a bit odd and a little off. But I think back to what you're saying is in heaven, like if we are like perfect, then you wouldn't need technology because technology is accounting for our limitations. You use a levy yeah. or a lever or whatever because you can't pull up that huge weight with your arms. You, or you wouldn't be able to pick it up and then jump or something like that, you know? I think in a sense, that's what technology is like uses for. Now, can it overstep that like use? And I think psychopaths is kind of like discussing that idea is like, you know, technology is there for this reason. But now when we get into like, you know, almost ethereal spiritual senses is what psychopaths is talking about, like mental states. Yeah. Is that a realm that like technology can then continue working for us in a way that's beneficial? Because physically it's obvious that technology is beneficial. We wouldn't be having yeah. this conversation. Um, it would take years to write books because you'd be you'd have arthritis by the end of it all. <laughs> so oh yeah. The work day would probably be a little like shorter or weirder because we'd have to either walk there or use a horse all of these things but when you get into the state of like technology should be curing a mental state then it's like oof and i wonder too maybe in heaven it might be the case that if heaven is real and we can go there and heaven is a physical place you know based on the way we're talking about it that maybe the <laughs> i don't want to say like like maybe the technology about efficiency and all that will be there maybe like i don't know you can get a lambo up there and drive to angel gabriel's house or something but like technology that's meant to like cure you of certain things won't because those things won't be there there won't be any anger for me to need a hue scan or some crap like yeah. that or whatever i won't need headspace you know the app great app though it is a great app if you need to meditate or some calm your mind down get headspace 
that is not a that is not an ad we are not sponsored <laughs> no, we are not we do not make any money off this yeah. video <laughs> or from headspace <laughs> but yeah i think uh that definitely touches on something like because Sybil is supposed to be an ideal almost like a a heaven-like society and its use of technology is huge Ooh. and i wonder if that is is saying something about mental states and human limitations and in relation to them yeah well i think oh man what you just said made me think of technology as like a rubber band you know like a rubber band is like the most effective at like a range so if it's like been stretched too far then yeah. it's like easy to snap but obviously if it's just in its natural state it's like useless basically yeah. so it's got to be stretched a little bit right or to like it's you know max effectiveness right <laughs> to be the most effective and so i wonder if technology in that sense is being like it's civil saying hey and a psychopath is saying like hey this is probably where it should where we should draw the line yep and maybe even we've probably even overstepped a little bit i think some of the the villains are suggesting as well but I think Akane, in a sense, is kind of redefining what the line is to make room for um, Sybil. And I think yeah. she's saying as the system grows, or as the series goes, and even in this first episode, I think she's saying, you know, hey, this is a good system and it does prevent, you know, a lot of things, but it's not perfect and we need to try and make it better yeah and in ethical ways as we'll see the show go um but let's see here in a, in a weird way i think that reflects our world too because like as we're seeing right now like oh my gosh so many things in the world right now that are using technology for you know good uses and bad uses i mean we have the elon musk he's you know experimenting with brain chips um that are very interesting like i've been trying to you know come to grips with it myself like a world where we possibly could have a, a brain chip that helps with human functioning helps with yeah. telepathy you know helps with parkinson's and alzheimer's and that's as exciting as it is scary because it's like okay so then what's the new line and how 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 much farther can we stretch you know technology feasibly and it even in the realm of like uh you know genomics or genetics you know, messing with the genome, the oh, eugenics. Genome, genetics, eugenics, yeah, and um, creating perfect humans and clones. And, you know, we can, I saw another article where we created the first chimera cells. So they mixed a monkey, um, I forget what kind, but it was a monkey and human cells and like we're able to start growing it. And of course, you know, I'm starting to think of like, <laughs> shout out. Um, full metal. Full metal. Because it's weird because it's sad that that's what I think of because I think of the worst possible thing first, you know what I mean? And like, of course, if the best possible scenario is, hey, we actually can do a lot with this. We can create, you know, human-like organs that function well in the human body and now we can save lives. That's amazing. But of course, human nature means that we can, we have the ability to go and stretch farther than we should, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's what this show does such a good job of. It's asking that question. It's like, where do we draw the line? 
and how do we make the things that fall within the line you know like how do we accommodate them reasonably I think one I think that's a great place to end <laughs> leave him on a hook definitely as the show goes on those questions keep being posed and asked and I think some answers are given as well oh what? I think some answers are given as well I mean it's oh, kind yeah. of yeah it's interesting with philosophical questions you know sometimes the pitfall could be they never get answered but this this show definitely goes to answer this is what I think is like beautiful and missing in modern art it's just be a sentence no real talking point is that like art is meant to test out ideals mm. you know yeah. because we obviously don't want to live through every fucking society that every philosopher has ever thought about implementing so what better way than to write a story about it and try our best to navigate how humans would respond to certain society or something like art is there to test out the things that we think are true and to see if they're true to some degree i mean it's not a foolproof test but like that's the beauty of it like we'll never i don't know yet i think some of the east asian countries are experimenting in civil type stuff yeah but like i don't know as far as like america is concerned that'll probably take a minute to get fully implemented here yeah so it's good that we have a show that can kind of like to a degree tell us like oh this is kind of like the consequence of such a thing and i think that's like the beauty of art and i think a lot of tv shows and books are just missing that nowadays but that's a uh, that's for another story maybe another episode or something oh here we are at the end of uh anime shampoo you keeping the name yeah i like it anime shampoo <laughs> um one real quick note just nothing too deep but uh i watched the first episode in sub i never watched sub but i watched or i mean sorry in dub i always watch sub but uh you know for the viewers who are thinking oh i i'm in the anime but i only watch dub and i don't know if this is going to be a good dub it's a great dub i will say it's a very good dub the voice acting is really good and it shows the characters you know it enhances them i think and so don't be fearful dub as long as it doesn't betray the characters of good no it doesn't doesn't Masaoka doesn't sound as good in sub as he does dubbed but no yeah 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 <laughs> sorry the the sub dub confusing um but he sounds not as good dubbed as he does in sub but he sounds you know comparable but it's still pretty good all right you heard it here first you can watch it in both so pull up i think yeah maybe we should just do these every monday or sunday yeah but uh, anyways that's for me and Nate to discuss after this. <laughs> <laughs> end of the episode pull up next week it'll be episode thanks for three. listening always thanks um you know i don't know you click and like and stuff on podcasts i don't know how that shit works yeah, I don't know how share that works. it with your friends yeah share it for sure you know, it's just fun i mean we just do this for discussion we are obviously not phd people or some so yeah. if you got some just put it in the comments if you think we touched on a point or we got one wrong always fun to have a little banter yeah but yeah anime shampoo anime shampoo